I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. Okay. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Okay, so um, I've sobered up. There's still some blackouts. And, um, I worked in Hyman's and survived tornadoes and trailers, but that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later. Having a good time, baby. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay. I'm your host, and I am joined by my co-host and producer, Hannah Hogan. Hello, Dusty. All right, coming in hot. Yeah. Uh, So we have the camera up and running. Yes, sir. All right, producer Hannah on top of it. We got a camera going. We're recording things. We're going to get back into the Spectracide journey, the journey of my life through Spectracide and the beginnings of comedy. Uh, And we are going to be on year 2011. Yes, a journey through your life seen through the lens of pesticides. Yeah, it's quite a big year. 2011 was a big year. But before we get into it, let's talk about a couple of other things. Uh, I'd like to talk about... This is what we were ending on last week. I'd like to talk about restaurants and uh, a diner that we went to one time before, and I'd like to tell a story. But before we get into that, we went to a sushi restaurant the other night. And as we left, they had some fortune cookies that you could get there. And I don't know about you, but a fortune cookie is a cookie that I could care the least about. I'm never excited to eat the cookie. It shouldn't even be called a fortune cookie. But every time... I get a fortune cookie, I crack it open, I take a little bite out of it, and then I throw the rest on the ground um, almost every time. But I enjoy cracking open a fortune cookie, even though I don't believe that stuff. I don't believe in horoscopes. I don't believe those things. But it's fun to read a fortune cookie. It feels a little providential when you are at a restaurant and you have the option to read your fortune cookie. Right. Yeah, I enjoy it. Especially, I think, sushi is Japanese, Mm. and the fortune cookie is Chinese. But my understanding is the fortune cookie is actually originated in Georgia. Well, and I also think that uh, Asian-run businesses are counting on the fact that, you know, Americans don't really know that it's supposed to just be Chinese food that offers the fortune cookie. Like, they know we're just in it for the fortune. Maybe so. I've seen enough kung fu movies, though, where I do feel like that Chinese people are always, like, the wise ones. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, whenever you see a movie like, you know, the Van Damme movie I just watched was Kickboxer. I watched uh, Ip Man. uh, And I've also, uh, what is it, Kill Bill 2. Mm -hmm. The, you know, the Chinese master seems like just full of wisdom. Well, I'm sorry that I underestimated your Chinese knowledge. Yeah. Well, it comes from kung fu movies, so I don't know. But the the thing that people discount about a kung fu movie is a lot of them, they're not just about fighting. You you learn 
you know, that the the, the best fighters in the world uh, are the most peaceful because they don't have anything to prove. They know they can beat you. Mm. They're just, you know, they're just, uh, they know they can beat you, and it's all about discipline for them. Great. And in Ip Man, it's a, really, there's several Ip Man, but the first three are really great. And uh, We'll talk about that in another podcast. <laughs> but... Um, so this, so we got a couple of fortune cookies. I read mine. It seemed, it seemed interesting. It, it, and honestly, it seemed, um, a bit like it fit, fit, uh, the thing that I was going through. I mean, it was talking about being, you know, being prudent is good, but not as much fun or whatever. Uh, but we're looking to buy land and we're trying to figure out ways to go cheap about it. And then we're also like, but we'd like to get a certain thing. So, um, it just seemed to really hit me in a way. Uh, and then Don't Han- be so prudent that you don't take a risk. Right. And then Hannah got one, and we don't understand what it means. This is, this is a fortune cookie that Hannah got the other night at a Japanese restaurant, and we don't understand what it means. So, Hannah, if you will, read it for us. So live that you don't sell the family parrot to the town gossip. So live... That you don't sell the family parrot to the town gossip. There's so many nouns going on here. I mean, so we talked about it. Like the family parrot, I mean, potentially the family parrot would repeat all of the family secrets to the town gossip. So if you took the family parrot and you sold it to the town gossip, the family parrot would tell the gossip all of your secrets, and then the town gossip would tell everyone else. But if this is literal, then I guess that makes sense. Live in a way that you'll never... It seems opposite to the other fortune cookie I got. <laughs> but it's saying, don't live in a way that you'll find yourself in a position to sell the family parrot. And if you do, don't sell it to the town gossip. But what is the family parrot really? I don't know. What does the family parrot, what is it? What am I selling? Like, don't talk about my family to other people? I guess so. But it just seems like there's an easier way to say that. Yeah, and it's sort of like, it seems like because they used the parrot as the, you know, as the item, as the object, a parrot is the one that's doing the talking. So, so what live. am I to the parrot if the parrot's the one yapping away? But the parrot, if the parrot just stayed at home, then, you know, it wouldn't be a problem. It could just yap away. But if you're, if you're living in a kind of way that you got to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. I <laughs> just like, it just seems like, okay, so, so live that you don't. I don't like that it's telling me a negation, like don't do something. Well, tell me what I should do. Yeah, live it's not in a, clear what I'm supposed to be doing so that I don't sell Well, whatever the family parrot is, literally. Maybe it should say, live in a way that the family parrot always remains in the family. Chain the parrot to the house. <laughs> yeah, you kill that parrot before you have to sell it. I'm still so unclear. I, I am unclear too. If you have, please, um, if you have any information about what this uh, 
or, or actually any kind of answer, any joke answer, uh, whether you see this video on YouTube or you're hearing it on the podcast, either leave a comment below of what you think this fortune cookie means or send me an email to dustyslaycomedy at gmail.com and then I'll read your answers uh, on the next podcast. Yeah. Uh, because tell us what you think it means, whether it be real or whether it be a joke. But don't be inappropriate or I won't read it. Well, it depends on how inappropriate. You know, it's scary to say things these days. So be fun. Again, it is so live that you don't sell the family parrot to the town gossip. So live that you don't sell the family parrot to the town gossip. Wise words from a, Chin mean, from a Chinese fortune cookie made in Georgia, sold at a Japanese restaurant. Yeah, and, it, you know, I need to know because that was my fortune. And I'm going out into the world this week. And I am a talker. I do talk. But I... But I wouldn't say you were the family parrot. No, I'm not a, a huge gossiper. And I try not to be a boaster. I don't like to tell people what's going on, you know, with, you, you know, me or my husband or my friends. Okay. So, yeah. So, send us some info on it. All right. So, I'd like to talk a little bit about this diner. And I want to talk about this diner um, because um, I forget why I wanted to talk about it. But last week I really want oh, because I wanted to read some reviews. I was into reading reviews. And um, so what I did was I looked, I tried to look up the restaurant. And last year, uh, we've told the story before, but I'd like to tell the story again. Last year, we were riding, uh, me, Aaron Weber, and Hannah were riding back from North Carolina, and we were coming back to Tennessee. And we're on the road, and we wanted to stop, and we wanted to just kind of get some food with a local flair. We didn't want to go, um, you know, just classic chain restaurant where we know what we're going to get, but is, uh, you know, Precisely that, we know what we're going to get, and we wanted some variety. So we found this um, we found this one restaurant, and it has so many reviews. And so many of the reviews were really good. So we thought, well, this is the place for us. And I'm just trying to find... Oh, okay. So we find the place, and, and, and we're about to pull up in there. We're, we, it's, it's, it's a roadside diner, uh, and it seemed like real cool, and they had a, like 4,000 reviews, and they're all good. It's like, oh, this is the greatest place in the world. We love it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And we were like, oh, great. This is our spot. And then right as we are about to pull in, Hannah finds this review, and this review says, after seeing all this, and I'm just going to read it how they wrote it. It's not my, I can't, you know. After seeing all this great reviews, I decided to stop by on my way to Florida. I was so excited about this place, wanted to try something unique and typical American, but I was so disappointed. Don't get me wrong, it's a diner, 
and I know that, but food was nothing special, neither wow. Prices are good and service, but the horrible smell of this place made me eat in two seconds and get out of there ASAP. Once I entered this diner, bad smell hit me in the head in a second. Smells like they never cleaned nor opened the door for fresh air and all flies around your head and food tells you everything. Go to McDonald's or any fast food place on the highway will be better and cleaner than here. Whoo. <laughs> you know, but maybe they got there on a bad day. That's what we're thinking. And then here I've got three reviews on the same uh, like they're all all together. And one was from two years ago. It says, filthy, never going back. My water glass was filthy and so many flies. And then a year ago, so a year later, it stinks and it has food everywhere. And then four months ago, smelled bad. <laughs> <laughs> they're just getting it more and more pared down to the ultimate disgusting <laughs> so at the very least for a year and eight months this place has smelled bad and been disgusting <laughs> um okay so once we saw that we thought oh no this place is not going to be good but we were like there's so many good reviews it's got to be great so we walk in we pull up it looks cool it looks like a 50 style diner you know, it's, you know, like, uh, what's what happy days or, or, um, I don't know the George Lucas movie before the star Wars movies. What's that called? I don't know. I have it over there. Alf. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about the fifties. Okay. It's over there on that shelf. Can you read any of those on that show? Uh, what do we got here? We got Beautiful girls, semi-pro cop, the good shepherd, be cool, and two that I can't read. Oh, that's it's one of those. Mm, all right, just a second. Get Shorty, the duelists. Dang. Yeah, no, it's none of those. American graffiti. American graffiti that's it. it. It reminds you of that. You think of that, and you're like, we're like, oh, this is cool. And then we, and this, it's summertime. So it's hot, but we opened that door and gosh, it was like hot and muggy and the smell yeah. hit us mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. So we go <laughs> so and we sit down. So we go and we get a, we get a table and then I go to go to the restroom. I've, I've been on the road. I'm like, I got to go pee. So I walk and, and, and we're on one side of the restaurant the rest, and the restroom is on the other side. So I have to go all the way through the restaurant and I'm seeing that tables are full. I mean, there are people at every table. I mean, people are eating. There's young people. There's old people. It's a variety. Multiple races of people are in there. It's a variety. This is a, you know, this is a hot spot in this town. <laughs> and then I get to somewhere in South Carolina. I don't, maybe, maybe North Carolina. I don't remember exactly, but um, actually I could look it up. But I don't want people to know what restaurant I'm talking about. I'm not trying to really trash them. I mean, I am, but without letting you know the name. And, and the bathroom was disgusting. And then I decide while I'm in the bathroom, I'm like, we're not eating here. I was like, I'm a, we're about to get out of here. <laughs> 
And I expect when I get back to the table that Hannah and Aaron will have also thought along those lines and will have just waters in front of them if they've even gotten service at all. So I show up to the table because when I say waters, I mean things that we don't have to pay for and we can just get out of there. So I get to the table. Aaron's got like a Coke and Hannah has a coffee. I'm like... And I'm like, I want to get out of here. And they're like, (laughs) and then the waitress shows up. So the waitress shows up and she couldn't have been nicer. Uh, She was just such a friendly lady, but she was a bit, a bit overweight. She was very sweaty. There were flies all over this place. And she was so sweaty, like sweaty to the point where like her hair was wet you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like her hair around, like any kind of bangs are just soaked like yeah. you've been on a run. And and she was just like telling us it was a Sunday. She was out of breath. Yeah, she was out of breath. She was telling us uh, about uh, the food that she really liked that was on the menu. And she, um, and she was like, oh, I get that every Sunday. And I'm like, well, I'm thinking, well, it's Sunday right now. So you must just get it when you're at work. But I, what was so confusing was it seemed so disgusting, but the place was full. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, am I the only person seeing this? So we go, we decide to leave, right? So we have to pay for the coffee and the Coke. And, and Hannah and Aaron just dashed right out of there. I mean, they're out of there. Right, because as I recall now... I was sort of embarrassed because we had gone ahead and we'd ordered the, this is the Canadian in me where I'm like, well, I don't want to be rude and just leave this disgusting place. Well, that's how, you know, that's how a lot of people are. A lot of people will, even reading the reviews, people will be like, yeah, I was disgusted by the place. I ate in two seconds. It's like, if it's so disgusting, just get out of there. I mean, I don't mind leaving a place. I mean, I'm not even that picky, but if it's just gross, like I've worked at enough restaurants to go to know that if the front of the house is disgusting, what's the back of the house looking like? So I was like, it just seemed like they were just cooking in there and, uh, and there was no fresh air. There was no ventilation. Like it was a small enough place. It was almost like a waffle house on the inside where you could see the, the cooking, but it just was so hot. And I, all right, so we were like, let's get out of here. So they get out of there. I pay, we tip well because, you know, we feel bad. So we go ahead and pay for the drinks and we tip well. And then we get out to the car and then Hannah goes, uh, I don't have the keys. Do you have the keys? And I was like, no, I don't have the keys. She was like, I don't have the keys. And I go, oh man, I got to go back in there. Maybe that's what it was, right? We didn't talk to her. We just left money. We left enough money to where it was a good tip, but, and we, but we didn't talk to her. But now I'm like, oh, the keys are in there. I got to go get the keys. So I go back in to get the keys. And then, and then the lady is like, oh, are you guys, you know, you guys are taking off. And we're like, yeah, we got to, you know, and I'm like, yeah, we just got to get on the road. We didn't have as much time as we thought. And, 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 and then Hannah texts me, oh, I got the keys. And so. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course I had the keys. Yeah. So I go back out, we get in the car and we leave. And that was the restaurant. But. The restaurant has a 4.2 rating out of five stars um, on 
uh, Google, and they have 1,363 reviews. Wow. So that's a, they have really good reviews, but then they have stuff like this. Too many flies. Any fly is too many flies in a restaurant, but too many flies. Server didn't come back to table. Saw cook put hair up and didn't wash hands. Server dropped cloth that he was washing the table with and picked it up and went right back to wiping table off. <laughs> I mean, can you just see this lazy guy, though, wiping the table, and then he's so slow and so that he drops the towel on the floor and then picks it up and keeps wiping the table? Um, let's see. Um, this, this was a year ago. So saddened how bad this place has become. That's just enough. It's such a long review. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's been a real fall from glory. Perhaps it was better, you know, Maybe. 10 years ago. First time coming here, and it smelled like a retirement home. I have Ooh. never smelled something so bad. It was absolutely disgusting. We didn't even drink our drinks. We left. Was that that us? was us. <laughs> it wasn't us, but that could have been us. That wasn't us? No, that's not our review. No, wow. we didn't leave a review. We're not going to. Oh, I thought we did. I don't think so. We're just going to trash the place in, in on a podcast. Beware. Observed a server washing the floor with the same rag she washed the table and kept using it to wash tables. She also refilled the napkin holder after picking up trash from the floor, never washing her hands. Big boo. This place was so beyond gross. It was hot and there were flies everywhere. Gave the waitress a good tip and she was very friendly. The food was awful. Okay, here's the last one I'll read. My family and I walked in and were disgusted by the weird smell and look of all the dirty dishes and it was only 7 a.m. We have been here before but it looked way better. The waitresses were taking their breaks an hour before the thing opened. They were all taking turns eating food. They also were all talking to each other when they could have cleaned off tables. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. But uh, This is, sounds like a restaurant with no manager. This is a different restaurant. I wanted to read this review. I said the last one. This I want to read this review, and then I want to address it, and then I want to get into 2011 Spectracide. Mm -hmm. Hit our kids with an 18% gratuity. Our 11 to 14-year-olds walked from the motel next door and sat at the diner food bar to have a shake. Five of them ordered and two of them just hung out. My daughter called me telling me that the employees told them that they would have to pay an 18% gratuity because there were six or more of them at the counter. I went there and told them they shouldn't be forcing an 18% gratuity on kids. They did not want to remove it, sarcastically stating that they were just trying to get out of a tip. I had to insist they remove it before they finally did bad experience. So I just want to address this, especially because this guy said sarcastically stating that we were just trying to get out of the tip. Had to insist they remove it before they finally did. So... It sounds like that your kids went to this restaurant, sat down at the bar, the servers knew that your kids were not going to tip, and so they hit them with the gratuity. The same thing I would have done. But you say, oh, you're just trying, oh, sarcastically, you're just trying to get out of the tip. But you are trying to get out of the tip. 
you're saying you shouldn't be hitting kids with an 18% gratuity. Your kids, you should send your kids there with money enough to tip. Like, they're taking up space that other people could come in and be tipping, and they're not tipping. That just frustrates me that this guy left them a one-star review after not tipping. Mm -hmm. Jeez, dude. Yeah. Yeah, what does it matter if a kid eats a shake or an adult? It's the same it's the same product. And the kids were probably messier and they ordered less. What did they order? Some milkshakes? So what was their gratuity? Fifty five cents? I mean, just pay. Just tip. You should have went over there. What you should have done is gone over there and told your kids, Well, yeah, that's because we tip in this family. Mm-hmm. Tip. Yeah, tip. Okay, so here we are. We left off in 2010. 2010, I was um, 2010. I was doing a little comedy. Um, I was. Uh, I had a boss named Stan, who was giving me a lot of problems. Um, I had moved to downtown, um, and I had. Uh, I was drinking heavy. It's interesting you have to refer to your notes on the memories of your life. Well, I want to know what I've covered. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many people you know that can go through their life year by year and detail it out. I don't know that many people. Okay. All right, so I had met a girl named Mandy at the Upper Deck. That's not her real name, but we're not going to – I don't mind using Stan's name. I know some people from Spectreside have been listening to this because they've messaged me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not – I'm not saying anything untrue about him. He was not nice to me. And at the end of 2010, before we get into 11, I just, I forgot to mention this and I want to reiterate. I mean, we, we had been having a lot of problems. He thought I wasn't working. Uh, I might've revealed to you some that I had, had, had been slacking off been drinking on the clock a bit. So he's not entirely blameless, but I will say uh, a lot of the way he treated me led to the way I started to act. So, he, we used to get reviews from our bosses. You know, we would get a, an end of the year review and he would just tell us what we needed to work on and this and that. And one year, Stan had been having a lot of problems with me and he wanted everyone to fill out their own review, see how they review their own self. And I learned a valuable lesson here. I learned never be honest about yourself in a negative way. I mean, because what I did was I said, you know what? Stan's given me the opportunity to review myself, so I am going to highlight the things that I'm doing really well, and I'm going to be honest about the things that I think I could, could improve on. And, you know, and I'm going to communicate with that with him uh, just to kind of let him know that I do understand where he's coming from on some things. So I gave myself an honest, fair review, which I still came out looking pretty good, but I was – um, you know, I, I, I felt like I gave myself the kind of review he would give me. And so when, and I sent it in and then he calls me about the review and he goes, Oh, you're way off on some of these. And it's like, and I learned in that moment, he's going to tear me down no matter how low I put myself. So I should have just said, I think I'm doing great at everything. I'm probably the best employee that works for this company. Mm-hmm. That's what I should have done. So these problems are con- uh, continuing. So we go into um, 2011, 
And in 2011, we have our sales meeting. We have our sales meeting in St. Louis. Um, this is the sales meeting where the St. Louis Cardinals had just won uh, the World Series. I believe that I have this timing just right on this. And uh, our home office was in St. Louis. So they gave us these jerseys to wear. We, had, we all took a picture. I have a giant picture of all of us in these jerseys. And, and uh, St. Louis is the second largest Mardi Gras celebration in the country, my understanding. So Mardi Gras was going on at this same time. We're staying at this pretty fancy hotel, and we're walking around the hotel in these blue Spectracide jerseys. And on the back, it has a number. And on, if you know, you know baseball or sports in general, that's always just two numbers. It's number twenty-three, number forty-two, number you know zero one, you know, or maybe just one. And it's never three. But our jerseys had three because we were all about that hundred percent club. That meant hundred percent. You hit your sales plan hundred percent. I think that's right. I could be wrong about the number on the back, but it was definitely three numbers. And so you knew it wasn't a real jersey, so we didn't even get to pretend we were an actual sports team. We're walking around like clowns, and I remember the sales meeting because my friend Chaz had been uh, promoted uh, to the same position as me now, but in a different city. And we sat in those sales meetings, and whenever we were at a sales meeting, they were all, we, we would sell you know pesticide products. So they would always do something like... Um, like um they they would always do something like they they would say um the wasp and hornet killer next year we're going to get uh we're going to get three facings cuz when you go into a store and you look on the shelves however many of those products you see lined up that means facings so wasp and hornet killer would say we got three facings that means you'd see three cans on the shelf so we would get an extra facing, and that would mean big sales for us. So they would go, we got an extra facing uh, on the shelf this year. And then we would all applaud. The whole place would applaud. So me and Chaz started tallying. We started keeping a tally of how many uh, applause breaks had happened over, over, the, over the weekend. And once we started to really notice, I mean, there was well over 100 applauses over the weekend. And once we started noticing a pattern, what we would do was we would listen and we would wait for them to say something that we felt was at least applause worthy. And then I would start clapping. And we started so many applause breaks over the weekend because I was going into 2011 like this. I was like, I'm going in there. I'm getting my bonus check at the sales meeting and I'm quitting sometime this year. I can't handle Stan anymore and I'm quitting sometime this year. My district had about six or seven uh, other, you know, um, managers like me, and they were and Stan liked them all more than me. It was always me that got picked on. It was always me, that, and I also probably was the only one that had other things going on. I mean, no offense to them, but so many of these people were family men and were you know given their lives for this job. And I had comedy and trivia and all kind of things I was doing at night, but that was at night, so. Uh, but I felt like I was always getting picked on, all the time getting picked on. And I was done with it. I was like, I'm getting this bonus check, and I'm out of here this year. I got other plans, and I'm planning on going, you know, and being a comedian. And at the sales meeting 
Oh, oh, okay. At the sales meeting, they announced that we were getting a new boss, that Stan was going to work for another part of the company and was no longer going to be my boss. And the guy who got announced to be our new boss was a guy named Rob. And Rob was from Alabama and my friend. Wow. So the moment it got announced that Rob was going to be our new boss, he had a meeting with us. Just me and the other six guys in the district. And he started picking on those guys and then looking at me like, right? And I'm like, oh, man, this just turned around heavy. <laughs> like, now I'm the cool guy of the district. And so I was like, this is fantastic. So then Stan does this, though. He does this. There's a, you know, he's kind of the uh, regional manager, and then there's uh, another manager above him. And that guy was the worst. He was worse than Stan. He probably made Stan how bad. His name was Rick. He was the worst. And he probably made Stan as bad as he was because he probably treated Stan the way Stan was treating me. And so Stan, before he left, now all Stan had to do was just exit out of there. But he wrote a report and kind of put me on a probation period before he left. So his last little punch in my gut was to be like, yeah, I'm leaving, but I'm going to make sure that everybody has their eyes on you. Mm. But Rob was like, don't worry about it. He's like, you just do your job. I'll take care of that. And then the whole thing turned around. Now, there's going to be more to that, but I wanted to uh, uh, say this. There was one point where they had these chants going at the sales meeting where, you know, we sold grass killer. So Stan got up on stage and he was doing a speech about grass killer. And then we were doing this thing like kick ass, right? But we were going kick grass. And Stan was like, I say kick, you say grass, kick, grass, kick. And this, we're grown men in this room doing this. And then there was another guy who got up on stage and he had a chant and, and I was not informed on any of these chants prior to. And, you know, to me, all the other companies treated their sales reps better than us. I felt like they got paid more. They got, they got more employees. They got more help from their bosses. They got more help from everybody. And they're up there on stage, and this guy goes, who's got it better than us? And then everybody goes, nobody. And I was like, what? I was like, where did this chant come from? <laughs> who, 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 was, who worked on this? You know, I mean, these sales meetings, I always really cared about them because I felt like they were going to give me information because I'm like, as a salesman, what I want to do is I want to know more about the products so I can effectively sell them better and therefore make more money for the company, make me look better, get me a bonus. And, but they wouldn't, there was this one guy, and, and, and pardon the language, but there was one guy, he was going to talk to us about lawn fungus and lawn fungus control. That was something we sold. It was a lot of questions people had. Customers were always asking what to do about lawn fungus. So this guy was teaching this class, and I was excited about it because I was like, I really can't find the information that I want to find on lawn fungus. 
and I want to be able to tell customers. So this guy's getting up there, and he's bumbling and rumbling, rambling around, and then he goes, he says this, he goes, basically, lawn fungus is a bitch. And that's, this is the guy teaching us. That's what he said, basically. And then everyone laughs. They're like, yeah, it is a bitch. But it's like, teach me something, dude. Teach me something. But they never did. So, so as the year goes on, I start getting, um, you know, I get my, I get my, an employee. And I get one of my earliest friends when I moved to Charleston was a guy named Brian Lehman. He was one of my oldest friends in Charleston. And he had moved to, he went to veterinary school in Grenada. And he had just gotten back from veterinary school, didn't have a job. And I said, do you want to come work with me? So he said, yeah. So Brian came to work with me at Spectracide. And then um, this guy named Michael Friend, who plays music, who's still my friend to this day, uh, he started with Central Pet and Garden, which was one of the competitors. And me and Mike, we went to uh, the Waffle House. He's the guy that we went to. The, he, said, he was from New Jersey. And... One day I said to him, I was like, you want to go to lunch? And he was like, yeah. He was into music. I was into comedy. So we bonded. And uh, I was like, you ever been? I was like, you want to go to the Waffle House? He's like, oh, I've never been to the Waffle House. And I was like, oh, you got to go. So we went midday to the Waffle House. We walk in and they go, hey, welcome to Waffle House. We go, hey, how you doing? And the waitress goes, "Um, uh, I'm tired and I could use a cigarette, but people keep coming in here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And uh, and then when when. Uh, we were leaving, a roach came up from under, like, on my seat and ran up my chest, and I swatted it, it fell on the table, and then ran off, and that was Michael's first trip to the Waffle House. Sounds about right. I thought it was great. I started dating uh, the girl that uh, I met named Mandy in 2010 at the Upper Deck at my open mic. She moved to France. And we would message each other, email or whatever, here and there uh, while she was gone. And then when she came back, we started dating. And that seemed like it was going to be great. But it ended pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, we dated for a little while. And we had, a, we had a good time. She played music. You know, we had a good time. But, you know, I was a terrible alcoholic. And I think one night my car got towed. And I had to go pick it up. It cost me a lot of money. And she said, you know, she said... I'll, I'll pay for your drinks tonight. Don't worry about it. You know, I know you just spent a lot of money. And I think when she got the bar tab at the end of the night, I think that uh, changed a lot of things. Because to me, I was like, all right, well, I don't have to drive. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get wild with it. And I, I would spend a lot of money on a bar tab. How much? I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, you know I get, I'm guessing just depends on what, what you think a lot is, right? Like, if she went, she'd probably have two drinks. They were probably $8 drinks, probably 15 bucks. Add a tip, you're out with 20 I mean, my bar, bar tab would be like 80 bucks. Wow. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a lot of money just for drinks. Yeah, I mean, I'd have a beers and shots, and I'd buy a shot for a buddy. I didn't, I didn't buy a ton of drinks for other people, but, you know, I made good money. I'd get a little loose with it. Mm-hmm. So, and that was happening. I was living my apartment. Uh, I was living with my friend Nick D, and Nick D was a DJ and also did a little comedy. He's a guy that was uh, friends with Aziz, brought Aziz over to the apartment, 
we had dinner with the Z's one night, but Nick moved to LA and to be a DJ. And then so a, a, another girl moved in, an actress, actress girl moved in, and uh, that went really well for a long time. And um, I, I, um, this, uh, a girl named Julia moved in, and um, I think Julia was pretty young. Allison would go, well, maybe I shouldn't say her name. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to talk bad about her. She was who I was living with, and she would go away to a camp, uh, like on the summertime, like some kind of acting camp. And so she subleased to Julia. And um, Julia, I was messaging with her um, about when she lived with me. And uh, she said, I, I was saying something like, because this is 2011. This was the last year I drank. So I said, uh, you caught me at my worst. And she said, even if it was the worst, you helped me become an adult. So that's something. And she said that I did this one time because I was really drunk. Um, okay, she says, one time you walked in when I was waxing my upper leg in the kitchen and you said, I got some people coming over, so... Uh, if you want to clean yourself up a bit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, and, wow. And Julia was such a nice, you know, attractive girl. Like, uh, you know, it wasn't, and, uh, but I just you was. Want to clean yourself up a bit. Well, this is what I would do. We would go to Theater 99 and, um, we would, you know, we would all do comedy, me and all my improv buddies, and then we would walk from Theater 99 to Burns Alley, where we would drink, and then we would, my apartment was so close to Burns, we would walk out for a cigarette and then just walk right up to my apartment. You know, and then we'd have drinks, we'd get drinks out of my fridge or whatever and do, you know, other types of activities, CBD and whatnot, and then we'd, um, you know, go back down to the bar and just get right back. So, you know, Julia was probably up there, just, you know, normal Wednesday night, just da-da-da-da-da, and then here I come. Hey, clean yourself up a bit. I got people coming over. And I used to do that all the time. It, we would party, party, party. And um, one time, uh, Rob, my new boss, came to town, and we started drinking at Gene's Hofbrau, which was in West Ashley. And we were really drinking. We were having just a great time. And Rob was a real big dude. He was real tall, used to play basketball in college, it's a real tall, real country boy, and uh, we were drinking in this bar, and we got to talking with these firefighters, and everybody was kind of talking trash, and there was this one girl, a female firefighter, and she was very muscular, and we were all drinking, and everybody was just talking, blah, blah, blah. Everybody was making jokes at each other, and I said something to her. I said, oh, you can't put out a fire worth shit or something like that. Just some stupid thing. We're all making jokes like that. And this girl punched me in the face and like, like, whoa. And I mean, they kicked her out, which I was glad because, you know, there's no winning. when you get. I mean, she would have beat me up anyway, probably. She was very strong. But there's no winning, even if I did fight her. Um and then they bought me a bunch of free drinks, and it was great, and I was fine. And actually, she called me the next day and apologized. I don't know how she found my number. She called the bar. I had a lot of friends at the bar. She called the bar, and they found my number. She called and apologized. Uh, You're just a just a just a causing the scenes everywhere, all over Charleston, huh? Oh yeah. You just, you just that connected bra in your twenties, just 
popping around every bar. Everybody knows your name. Everybody got your number. Yeah, everybody knew me, and I was all <laughs> over the place, and everybody knew when I got too wasted, and I'd be fine oh the next day. Gosh. It was fine. I mean, but the thing about it is, is if you just hear me tell the story, you would think that I'm the only wasted one. I'm just a wasted person in a sea of sober people. But they were all wasted. Everybody I knew was wasted all the time. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and me and Rob, after that, we went to a strip club in, uh, in, in Charleston. And then I remember driving Rob, like we were, we were so drunk. I remember driving Rob, my boss, back to his hotel and then driving home. But it was a blast. When Rob was my boss, it was amazing because we actually would get work done. The stores really liked Rob. When Rob would go into a store to help me build a relationship with the store, it actually would be effective. Whereas is, is, is with Stan, it would not. I wanted to read an email just to kind of illustrate. Uh, I read this to, um, uh, to Hannah the other day. Well, now I don't think I, this is a, this was a long email about Stan telling me that I was late a lot. They used to tell me that I was late to work all the time. I mean, to be fair, knowing what you were doing behind the scenes, it's not unfathomable that you would have a boss that doesn't get a good feeling about your work ethic. I don't disagree with that. But anyway, I can't find the email right now. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. But the thing about it was, is I was getting my job done and I was working the hours. My, my argument was always this, because I would, I would go to many stores in a day. So only one store would see me in the morning. Only one store would know that I'm getting up early and hitting the store. By the time I get to the next store, they have no idea if this is my first store, if I've been working all day. And that was my argument. I'm like, listen, you want me doing eight-hour days, eight to ten-hour days. What difference does it make if I go in at eight or if I go in at ten? I just work later in the day. And that was always my argument. It's like, you're trying to force me into this time slot that's completely unnecessary and it's causing more problems because you're saying I'm late because you've created this time when I'm supposed to come in. Meanwhile, another guy that worked with us, he got to come in late every day because he had to take his kid to school. And everybody was like, well, that's his kid. He's not, he's not staying out all night partying. And I'm like, He's still getting in late. What does it matter if it's for his kid or for his, you know, second career? But that was a blast. Um, um, I um, let's see. Oh, this was a this was a this was a fun. Um, I was doing starting to do pretty well in comedy on the local scene. I was really doing well. I was really excelling, and I was going to go up to Wilmington, North Carolina to do a show at Nut Street Theater. Now, Nut Street is owned by Timmy Sherrill. Now it's Dead Crow. It used to be Nut Street. And I was entering a, a competition. But what I was doing was, I, later that weekend, later that weekend, I was going to Annapolis, Maryland, to do some shows with Tim Heckle and John Brennan. So I was going to work that out so that I would go to um, Wilmington, and do my set and enter the contest. And then I would go to um, Annapolis after that. So I, 
so I'm, I'm leaving Charleston. I have a little Chick-fil-A. I have some Chick-fil-A minis. And there's a, I noticed in one of the little chicken nuggets, there's a little brown spot. But I didn't think anything about it. I just ate it, right? And I still don't know that's what's happened. So I go to the Mount Pleasant store. That's where I start my day. I'll get there at 8, and then I'll be there for about 30 minutes, and then I'll drive to the, the Lowe's and Merle's Inlet. So on my way to Merle's Inlet, that's a two-hour drive, I start to feel sick. My stomach starts to feel gross. It starts to feel real bloated, like it's about to explode. And then I get to, so I get to the Merle's Inlet Lowe's, I, I, or Home Depot, I don't remember what it was, and I, I clock in, and then I run to the bathroom, and I just sit in the bathroom the whole time. I relieve a little pressure, but I'm just still feeling sick. And I sit in there for 30 minutes or so, and then I go and I clock out, and I just go up to the Myrtle Beach Home Depot. And the same thing, I'm still feeling sick on my way to the Myrtle Beach Home Depot. I go in, clock in, grab one of those orange buckets, hoping to throw up, go straight to the bathroom. No throwing up, still sick, very gross. And then, uh, so then I go to the North Myrtle Beach Home Depot. I clock out, then I clock in in North Myrtle Beach. Same thing, go right to the bathroom. And then I go to Shalote, North Carolina, and that's my last store. That's as far north as I can go working, but this has filled up my whole day. So I put in a full work day on my way up to Wilmington, and Wilmington's about an hour from there. And as I leave Shalote, all that, my stomach is so swollen, and I just feel like that I need to burp. I just thought if I could burp, I could just let all this pressure out, and then I would just feel so great. So on my way out of Shalote, on my way up to Wilmington, now I'm still dating Mandy at the time, and Mandy has done couchsurfing.com before, so I used her account and got set up with a place, a place in Wilmington. Some people are going to let me stay at their house. They're planning to, they were young people, and they're planning to come see me in the competition, and then we'll hang out after, and I'll stay with them. And so I grabbed this, like a 7-Up or whatever, on my way out of the Shalote lows and I start driving down the road and I'm drinking it and I'm and I hit traffic I get on the interstate and I hit traffic and there's cars everywhere and all of a sudden the burp comes but it's not a burp it's projectile vomit like I've never experienced in my entire life I'm sitting in the driver's seat. There's a there's cars there's cars in front of me, there's cars behind me, there's cars to the left of me. And I'm sitting there and I have a fairly new car. There's a lot of miles on it, a few dings, but all in all, it's a fairly new car. And I burp and I projectile vomit right into the windshield. And as I turn to get out, I continue throwing up. I run around the car around the backside of the car, throwing up. Cars are just everywhere. I, I, I would always, I wanted to be one of those cars just looking at me throwing up just to see what that's all about. So it's projectile vomiting all over the place. And I get, I finally get to feeling better. I mean, once that's all out of me, I feel pretty good. But now I have throw up all over me. I've packed a light bag for the weekend. Oh, I forget. My car is not clean, though. My car has pesticides in the trunk. A lot of the stores, if a bottle would break, they would have the, you know, I would have to go in the back and I'd have to write it off so that they didn't have, so that our company paid for the broken bottle and not them. And then a lot of the stores would want me to take it out of there. 
Well, for a long time, it was great because I would give all my friends that owned homes, I would give them pesticides. And that was like, they were like, this is great. But once I ran out of all those friends, I just had chemicals in the trunk of my car. I remember one time my friend getting in and he goes, dude, what's that smell in here? And I was so used to it. I didn't even smell it, but it was just chemicals in the trunk of my car just sitting back there. Jeez, do I see that? You never told me that. Yeah. And then I had shelving units like, cause I would set up displays in the Lowe's and Home Depot store. So I had all these shelving units just sitting in the back seat. And then, so I found a shirt. It was my favorite shirt at the time, but I had to clean the dash up. I had to clean all the throw up off the dash. And then I didn't have anywhere to go because I was couch surfing with someone. I didn't want to show up at their house all covered in throw up. And so I, um, uh, so I, I just get back in the car and I drive on down to downtown Wilmington, somewhere I've never been before. And I, I show up at the bar. I change clothes. I show up at the bar. I've, I'm feeling decent. And I'm talking to Timmy. And, um, and then, you know, we all draw our numbers. It's a bunch of comics have come in there to do the contest. And you draw a number out of a hat to see which place you go. And I drew like out of 10 people, I drew like number five. That's the perfect number. That's the number you want. Dead center. But I was starting to feel sick again. And I was like, I got to get out of here. So I said, I asked the guy who drew the number one spot. I was like, can I just switch with you? And he said, yeah. And I went up and I had a very mediocre set. And I immediately left. And then I went and got a hotel. And then the next day, I get out to my car and it is disgusting. Like, it's now it's been sitting in the sun all day. Uh, and I get in it, and I just ride with the windows down, and I drive to Annapolis where I'm doing a show hosted by John Brennan, uh, and me and Tim Heckle are going to be doing the shows. And the whole, I mean, the whole, Annapolis is a fun town, you know. It's, a, uh, it's on the water. We were doing a show on a boat. So I was like, me and Tim, we're going to get out. Tim and John, we're going to get out on the boat. We're going to tell some jokes. We're going to do some drinking. We're going to have a time. But my stomach was still so bothered that I couldn't really drink. I couldn't really eat. So we did the show. The show was okay. And then the next morning, they had taken a bus. I guess they were all living in New York at the time. And they took a bus from New York to Baltimore. So they asked me, could I give them a ride back to Baltimore? And I was like, yeah, I can, but my car is disgusting. So they got, we crammed them all in the car and it was terrible. Um, and, and I got them to Baltimore and then I drove home and then I was fine. But um, um, Brian, oh, go ahead. I mean, I am stunned. That is a... A jaw-dropping story. I I know you've told me about your projectile vomit tale before, but I guess I didn't really know or understand that this was all within the context of going to and from different comedy shows and performing. <laughs> I mean, or that you had to drive people at the end of Baltimore. Well, even and that you had so many pesticides in your cars for so long. Years. It makes me so um, concerned about your health. 
The all right, so yeah, I mean, I'm not concerned about it, okay. but uh, I feel fine. Okay, but, but um, so we couldn't find anyone to work Savannah that year. We never really had an employee to work Savannah, so I got Brian to go down there with me, and at some point the air conditioner broke in my car. Maybe it was all the throw up. And I can't tell if the air conditioner was broke in the car at this point or not. Let's just say it, let's say it wasn't. I'm thinking it wasn't yet broke, but I had heard because the throw up went down into these vents on the top of the car and there's no way to get that out of there. The car smelled so terrible. So I put baking soda on the dash to hopefully, you know, because they say baking soda will soak up smells. So I didn't know what to do. So I just had baking soda all over the dash of my car. And me and Brian Lehman, we drove down to Savannah, which was two hours from Charleston, in the hot, and with baking soda all over the, the cover. And I just remember we, would down, we went down, we worked a few stores, and we went to a pizza place. We ate, and then we got drunk, and then we went back to the hotel pool at like midnight and just swam and jumped around in the pool. It was a great time. It was a blast. Uh, Brian is a great dude. I miss drinking with Brian. All right, we want to wrap this bad boy up. Oh, I mean, 2011 still has so much to go. Well, let's make it a part two. All right, let me let me see let me see where I'm starting stopping here because yeah, I mean, definitely the end was in sight for your drinking based on that story that you just told. I mean, what? your body's like, look. I'm beat up. I can't even eat a chicken nugget from Chick-fil-A. Yeah, there's still so much left for 2011. I mean, 2011 was a very pivotal year. Well, you um, can continue on, but I got a break. But, um, but you know. So, yeah, I mean, just in closing, I mean, it was a wild time. Uh, and maybe... What I'll do is I'll, I'll try to play a song or two of just some stuff that was going on in 2011. If I can think of what I, what I was even listening to at that time. Um, but any questions about anything? Oh, uh, so, okay. So you got food poisoning. I think so, yeah. But you're doing well in comedy. This is kind of, you're starting to really get noticed around the local scene. Yeah, I mean, and this, we're just going to say this was through the summer of 2011, and then I'll finish off. But yeah, I mean, things are going really well. I mean, um, you're pretty overweight, though. I'm, I'm, I'm the heaviest that I've ever been, and I'm the most unhealthy that I've ever been. And what about that rash on your forehead? The rash was gone by this point. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah, the rash was gone. Wondering if that rash had anything to do with those pesticides you were trucking around for well, years on end. Yeah, I mean, even you know, even in the episode, I mean, that when I talked about the rash, that's what I said. I mean, I would handle it. these things, and yeah. then I would, and yeah, I mean, it can't be good for me to have those pesticides in the trunk like that. I mean, honestly, when I walk on the pesticide aisle in Lowe's and Home Depot now, I smell it. And I don't like the way it smells, but I lived on that aisle for a long time. Every store, I mean, that sometimes you have to do, at the end of the year, you have to do resets. And that would mean you take everything off those shelves. Sometimes you have to adjust the beams in there. You have to clean it up, and you have to rearrange everything and add new labels. So this was 2011, um, uh, just basically what I'm doing with Spectracide not what I'm doing with comedy. 
even though that Wilmington thing uh, really it coincided. I would try to work them that way when I could. I remember staying, uh, working in Savannah one time and then doing a show down there with a guy named Scott Corkin. They call, he, his name was King's Poet, and he was the filthiest, dirtiest comic I've ever seen. And he, would, he was always so nice to me, and he would never do well, and he would always look at me like, what do you think's going on with this audience? You know, and it's like, oh, no, dude, that is, that is what's going on with you. All right. Well, that's great, Dusty. All I mean, right. Well, that's, Hannah. That's some, uh, that's some pretty interesting stories you shared today. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and get out of here, then? All right, then. And I'll, I'll keep talking a little All bit. Right, good day to you. All right. So, all right. Hannah's out of there. Thank goodness. Am I right? All right. And, um. But 2011, what a great time. Really, what a great time. And I just want to, I just want to find one song here that fits what was going on in that time and then try to leave it on that. You know what? This is a song that, um, I used to listen to around about that time. This is Blake Shelton, uh, but this is him covering uh, another lady. Mary, uh, her name is either Mary Gaucher or Gaultier. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like G-A-U-T-H-I-E-R. And I liked this song by Blake Shelton. This is off one of his early albums. And uh, I'll play this, at least the first verse. And this was 2011 for me. Oh, here we go. Sorry. Get home at 5.30, fix a drink, sit down in his chair, pick a fight with mama, complain about the kids getting in his hair. At night he'd sit alone and smoke, I'd see his frown behind the lighter's flame. Now that same frown's in my mirror I got my daddy's blood inside my veins Fish swim Birds fly Daddy's yell Mama's cry Old man Sit and think drink chicken TV dinner six minutes on defrost three on high beer to wash it down with then another some whiskey on the side it's not so bad alone here it don't bother me that every the same I don't need another lover hanging around trying to make me change okay so that song that's that song and that's what I would do that's how weird I was about drinking I, I would weirdly like fantasize about being alone and living in a home that I built or bought 
being alone, having some money, and drinking. Like, it's so weird. And I also lived on the beach, and this was a song. Now, I was into this song long before 2011, but this song is still a song I love. We'll, we'll end with this one. I'll come back at the end. But I love this song so much, and I think that this song, um, I don't know. I still relate to this song now, but this song is the best, and this was definitely who I was thinking I was <laughs> in 2011. Here we go. Oh, it's so good. Mother, mother ocean, I have heard you call, wanted to sail upon your waters since I was three feet tall. You've seen it all You've seen it all Watch the man who rode you Switch from sails to steam And in your belly you hold the treasures You have ever seen Most of them dream most of the dream Yes, I am a pirate Two hundred years too late The cannons don't thunder There's nothing to plunder I'm an over forty victim of fate Arriving too late Arriving too late share of grass I made enough money to buy my Miami but I pissed it away so fast never meant to last never meant to last I mean, that is such a great song. It goes on. It's a bit longer. I love that song. That's Jimmy Buffett. Uh, and I totally thought, I mean, that's why comedy worked out so well for me in the end because I love the adventure. I love going around. I love traveling. I love seeing places that I've never seen before. I love getting outside of big cities. I love seeing big cities, but I also love getting outside of big cities. We've been traveling around a little bit, still looking for land and um, it's just such a fun adventure. I mean, Tennessee is such a beautiful state. I mean, outside of the outside of Nashville, it's just like it's just countryside and beautiful fields, and and it's amazing. And I love it. And uh, uh, that's it. That's gonna we're just gonna do part one of uh, 2011, and then we'll finish part two uh, next week. So this is still a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And if you are uh, listening to this podcast, I mean, give us a review on iTunes. Give a five-star review. I mean, the, uh, I, I don't know that I can tell you what to give us, but why leave anything less? 
And uh, one of my episodes got a really low amount of listens. Uh, and I think that it is a good episode. So if you want a good one, go listen to How I Quit Drinking, the episode on how much I love drinking and how I eventually quit. Uh, I think you'll find that one is a lot of fun. It may be a lot of repeats of what I'm saying here because I kind of condensed several years and just my drinking journey all into one um, episode. But I think that you'll enjoy that. And um, all right. Thank you. And uh, we're having a good time.